Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake. It's a fresh take on a question all this time. If a woman is alone in the forest, will she still be undermined? It's a sorority of equality. It's a bonfire of a patriarchy. Come on, your hands, bring your moms, bring your dads. Come to the Clam Bake with me. Yeah. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. I'm Lindsay Stidham. And I'm Angela Gullner. And we want to be a better feminist, damn, damn it. it. Each week we interview different guests except for this week. Except for this week. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, what's Changing happening? It Changing it up. But we talk about experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Uh, being a human is tough. And being a feminist is complicated. But that's why we have each other. So let's get talking. Welcome to the Clam Bake Clams. Thanks for being here. Angela's back. I'm back! After her sicky hiatus and her Shakespeare experience. Oh my goodness. I can't thank you enough, Lindsay, for giving me a freebie. I was like (laughs) dying in my bed. And I think a big theme for both of us lately has been like... Knowing uh, when to say no and knowing better how to take care of ourselves and just trying to, you know, not not kill ourselves to get things done. So I really appreciate you allowing me some much needed sleep. Of course. I got really sick right after you. Oh, how fun. (laughs) Um, We're both alive. That's the good news. Yeah, that is the good news. Yeah. Yeah. And we decided to take an episode and like literally check in with each other. Yeah. And the state of um, feminism today. Yeah. It's like a really intense week for feminism. Yeah, it is. Like there's a lot of, it feels like some people uh, are upset about the word as per usual slash, you know, trying to make a stand for themselves. It's like, it's just never easy making a feminist stand ever. No, it isn't. Yeah. In yeah. In your personal life and the public <laughs> life politically, it's it's really hard to get professionally. What, yeah, it's hard to get what you deserve. As it's a hard woman. to get what you want when you're a lady. Yeah. You can't always get what you want, but you know, you got to try sometimes to get what you need. To get what you need. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, even if it makes you nervous and sweaty and gives you anxiety. Absolutely. Mm. Are you speaking from personal experience, Lindsay? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh, Lindsay and I have been talking a lot before we started recording today just about how difficult it has been to, you know, uh, even though we talk a big talk, like, we're both nice girls. We're, we're both really nice, nice ladies. <laughs> <laughs> we're nice. We're people pleasers. And despite, like, the fact that we're, like, kind of crazy workaholics, we like to make other people feel comfortable and okay. And a lot of times it, it, it results in the detriment of ourselves and our value. And we've been talking a lot today about how we just have seen patterns of not being compensated financially for the work that we've done, not advocating for ourselves as much as we should be. Um, And we're fucking sick of it. I'm so sick of it. (laughs) We're trying, we're trying to strategize how to do better. And sorry if that's going to present itself in this podcast and, or you're welcome. No, I think that it's going to present. I think this is, I mean, this is the thing that I've heard from a lot of my female friends is that it's, Especially female artist friends, because as artists, we're in this 
situation where, where we're like desperate for work all the time. We're desperate to be taken seriously. And I know from for me, I often feel like a fraud, like like someone is going to realize that I'm just faking my way through everything. And I'm actually I actually have no talent and I'm not smart and all of those self-deprecating thoughts that I'm like plagued with. <laughs> and <laughs> and I think that I think that as as women we could can really stand to check ourselves and ask ourselves am I being fairly compensated for the work that I'm doing and the answer right. is probably no, no. <laughs> and how do you strategize to keep your job whatever job it is and get the fair compensation that you need so and and we, like sometimes the first step is just asking for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to victim blame myself, but I am guilty of not asking for the compensation I deserve. I am guilty for not putting myself in in a place of power in a place of where I'm taking myself seriously as a worker and as an artist and saying that that my, I I have value and my input is worth something. Same here. Same here. And we want to like stop that cycle in our own lives. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. We have, we like literally have to, Otherwise, to survive. Otherwise, we're be running around as people's assistants for, I mean, there, it's not, a, it's not an accident that women have, are, have been receptionists and secretaries and, and assistants. It's not an accident. It's definitely not an accident. <laughs> um, Definitely not. Uh, but we, we don't want this whole episode to be a downer. So we're going to talk about some things going on in the world, some feminist fails or triumphs in the world, not just our own follies and triumphs today so that we have a little fun. Well, too. but both you and I have uh, have done something recently that has tried to break that cycle and has tried to empower ourselves. Do you want to talk about what you- what you did when you advocated for yourself? Sure. Um, I was up for a writing job and the initial offer um, was not okay <laughs> based on my experience and what I bring to the table so I uh, I counter offered and and it did not lose me the job it, it I think garnered me more respect actually to be the right person for the job and reassured that I was the right person for the job so I also think like another incredibly important thing to remember is like when somebody gives you an offer that's what it is it's to be negotiated right. like no matter how scary that is um, that's what it is. It's just an offer. It's to talk about it. And I think we forget that as women a lot too, especially when we um, have to do our own advocating. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so that, was a tr- that was a personal feminist recent triumph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I finally joined Actors' Equity, even though I have my MFA from an incredibly prestigious graduate school and have performed on stages all over the world, I did not take myself seriously and demand that I be paid equity contract wages or ask for the protections that equity provides. Instead, I put myself in like in- incredibly precarious financial situations because I was afraid that if I was equity, they wouldn't want to pay me and I would lose the job to another actress who wasn't equity, which might have happened. I don't know. Uh, I decided to uh, choose fear instead of <laughs> empowering myself. But now I have joined. And if I do theater going forward, I will be paid uh, something that is fair and legal for the skills that I have. Yes. God damn it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. When unions work, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know what? Baby steps sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you got to, like, take all the wins because as women, we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. so that you got to, like, acknowledge the wins. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, have you had any personal fails that you want to talk about? <laughs> this week? Besides, like, <laughs> Daily. Just like constantly <laughs> failing. <laughs> this is like, our like dark chicken episode. Hey, would you like me to read my bank statement? Because we'll talk about failing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hence our hence our trying to like pump ourselves up and be like, this is um this is not a perpetual cycle. It's a cycle that we're gonna break. Yeah. We have to, we like literally have to to survive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think just my entire life I've I've worked harder not smarter. Me too. Um and I think that's a female thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh because we're not taught to think that we're going to get things cuz we're smart. We're always we always feel like we have to work extra hard for something. Yeah. Um I you know, any success that I've achieved, I'm always like, "Well, I just worked really hard." Instead of, "No, I'm gifted or I'm skilled or, you know." Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. And like every year I make a resolution to try and um resolve that. <laughs> I got to do it. It's hard. <laughs> Clams, we challenge you. This week to, in a situation in which you would, you know, people please or compromise to just like take a moment to pause and to think about, is there a way that I could better empower myself here? Am I being cheated? And what can I do to advocate for myself? Yeah. You don't have to do it. It's sometimes scary and you'd, I'd never want anyone to put themselves in like a position, a position that was dangerous for them, like financially or physically. But just think about it because it starts with starting to recognize the ways in which we cheat ourselves. Totally. It starts to, yeah, I think when you recognize a pattern in your life that is not productive, like how do you break that pattern? It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. It is really hard sometimes, especially when you're just trying to survive but like we got to get beyond the survival to the success we got to yeah. swim through it we got to swim through the currents yeah <laughs> um <laughs> this is our super rambly confessional episode it's confessional just it's just gonna episode. be what it's gonna be you guys this is, it's been a like a big week for feminist controversy though it has people are really up in arms about about this sheets sheet cake sketch the tina fey the infamous the now infamous tina fey sheep cake sketch i mean i'm gonna begin well we'll begin by playing it it. so that we can talk about it thank you colin and che i just want to say that i always come out on colin's side because it's the better half of my face but i feel like this week it's important to be clear about that i'm still not buying it not buying it at all now Tina, you graduated from UVA in 1992. Yes, Colin. It's a beautiful school, and I have nothing but fond memories of my time there. And I graduated a virgin, and I still liked it. And that is just, uh, that's how good the architecture is down there. So it, it broke my heart to see these evil forces descend upon Charlottesville. And then our president, Donald John Trump, which I don't think people talk enough about what a stupid jackass name that is. It does not flow. Donald John? Whatever. He gets away with it because he's gorgeous. Anyway, anyway, Donnie John comes out and he says, uh, 
that he condemns violence on many sides, on many sides, Colin. And I'm feeling sick because, you know, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, I wasn't confused by it. No, Colin, Nazis are always bad. I don't care what you say. Well, I don't say. <laughs> then we hear that there's nine more alt-right rallies planned around the country this Saturday, including one in New York City in Washington Square Park. And part of me hopes these neo-Nazis do try it in New York City. Like, I hope they try it and get the ham salad kicked out of them by a bunch of drag queens. <laughs> Because you know what a drag queen still is? A six foot four black man. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I don't want any more good people to get hurt. And I know a lot of us are feeling anxious and we're asking ourselves like, what can I do? I'm just one person, what can I do? And so I would urge people this Saturday, instead of participating in the screaming matches and potential violence, find a local business you support, maybe a Jewish-run bakery or an African-American-run bakery. <laughs> Order a cake with the American flag on it, like this one, and um, just eat it, Colin. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, how is that supposed to help? Love is love, Colin. I'm, I'm sorry, what? And then next time when you see a bunch of white boys, boys in polo shirts screaming about taking our country back, and you want to scream, it's not our country, we stole it. From the, from the Native Americans. We stole it from the Native Americans. And when they have a peaceful protest at Standing Rock, uh, we shoot at them with rubber bullets. But we let you. Okay, okay. so That's... Tina Fey and her uh, sheet cake sketch. I mean, I am going to say Tina was tasked with an incredibly difficult. Um, did she write that? I'm sh I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure she had a hand in writing it. She maybe had a writing partner on it. But I don't know. We have to look it up. But um, to come on SNL and to directly do a satire the weekend after white nationalists storm your alma mater is like one hell of a task. I just want to put that out there, right? <laughs> like right. to begin with. But people are very up in arms that she was very um, ignorant about intersectional feminism and um, there, you know, coming from a place of privilege, which is probably true. I mean... Well, yeah, she's, she's white. So she's, she's a white woman. She has white privilege. Yeah, yeah. Yes. she has white privilege, and um, she can't understand what it was like to be a black person standing on campus that weekend. Um, I can't imagine being tasked with satirizing what just happened. Yeah, and, you know, there have been countless articles written about this, and um, Something that I've learned and I'm continuing to learn is that sometimes as a white person, you just got to shut up. And if people of color are saying something offends them, to just say, oh, okay, there's something happening here that I need to listen to. Um, so part of me is like, oh, okay, there's there's something happening here that I need to listen to. Um, I think one conversation is, should a white woman have come out and spoken in this slot? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. They could have had <laughs> a, a person of color, ideally a black person, uh, I don't know if is Tina Fey Jewish. You know, there was a lot of Jew hate happening in She's that march too. Greek, um, but it, it, that perhaps would have been a smarter choice. 
what I interpreted her doing was satirizing white women <laughs> and our reactions to this, this obsession that we have, which I think can be good sometimes with self-care and when do I need to take a break and when is all of this too much, which I do think is important, but can people of color don't get to take breaks because because they can't they can't take their skin color off and that's something that that I will never understand um but but I I thought it was satirizing the very thing that they were claiming it was doing I do too I a lot of people made the argument that like okay so she's such of privilege that she's saying we should do nothing but eat cake but I would say that um Quite the opposite. Like, you know, sometimes you can't take things quite so literally. Of course, we can't do nothing when shit like this goes down. And you have to look at the context, right? It's Saturday Night Live and it's Weekend Update, which is literally a satire of a news program. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed the piece. Um, I'm a white woman, so obviously, like, <laughs> I'm a white woman of privilege, so... Um, I share that with Tina Fey, but again, like, uh, I don't think she was saying we, we just eat cake and we sit by and we do nothing. I think that there is moments where we all feel powerless in what has happened to our country this year. And to me, it was more encapsulating that feeling. And I relate. I mean, when you're not, um, at the University of Virginia, when that is happening and you see images that are powerful enough to haunt your nightmares for the rest of your fucking life, no matter what color you are, it's like, yeah, what what happens to our country? What did Donald Trump unleash? It's very scary. And sometimes I do think it makes us feel powerless. But I hope that I hope that in her heart, the, her reaction is we have to do everything to stop what's going on right and we can't we can't know what she intended i don't think she's released a statement but all of the context clues lead me to believe that that it was quite the ob- and there's a very ob- obvious marie antoinette connection yeah let them eat cake yeah you, you know so i think i think it was a joke that maybe just didn't quite work for a lot of people it was a thinker yeah. It was a lot of levels. There was a lot of levels in that eating cake. But at the same sketch. time, I don't want to silence critiques of people of color because Yeah, you know, I think like, it's I, a... I just I just don't want so it's, it's yeah. I mean, we need comedy right now. It's like comedy tears down leaders, especially narcissistic ones. So, um I think we can't overthink satire too much or punish it too much because we've got a we do have to wave the flag of free speech in this case. It's um I think the power of free speech under the guise of satire is incredibly powerful, and um, I'm glad that we've got talented people to do it. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. started a lot of, I think, good productive conversations on, on social media, yeah. if that exists. So I'm going to say it wasn't an overall folly, in my opinion. Not an overall fail, even though the internet found that it was... Found that it was a fail. Uh, seemed to find it was a fail. Yeah. Um, but... But you know, an interesting, interesting uh, thing. Yeah. So we also have um, the Josh Whedon story this week. Oh, and man, was that a bummer to read as a Buffy fan, as a big old Buffy fan. And, you know, you want to believe these 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 white guys in Hollywood. You want to believe that there are good ones out there. Josh Whedon, Matt McGorry. You want to believe that. 
<sighs> you want to believe that the perfect, the perfect ally exists. And um, so if you haven't read the article, basically the gist of it is um, apparently Joss Whedon and his ex-wife, uh, they separated, I think, five years ago. And... Um, now the divorce has been finalized, and um, she decided that she couldn't stay quiet about the reasons why the marriage ended, um, because, you know, Joss has been really celebrated as such an advocate for women, a writer of, like, really amazing female characters, which he is. I mean, Buffy is fucking amazing. Um, and he's gotten awards, and he's just been so incredibly celebrated, um, but, you know, according to her article, um, he was uh, having affairs for uh, 15 many years, years. <laughs> 15 years of their yeah. marriage. And um, and I guess, you know, that kind of <laughs> that kind of hip- hypocrisy in a way um, she couldn't not tell the public about it. And so. Um, it's been really huge on social media today and yesterday, um, all kinds of different opinions about, you know, can, can someone be an asshole and a feminist? Because I, you know, if, if what she's saying is true, which I am always inclined to believe the women because women speaking out about ways that they've been wronged sexually, uh, and, and it is, it is a sexual violation to be cheated on because you are not consenting to the the people that your partner is having sex with, and right, if you ex- think you're in an exclusive relationship, you're ex- yes, yeah. you're exposing your partner to potential STDs and infections, and that that is a massive breach of trust, and that's that's a huge violation. Yeah, um, she was not consenting, and so there was, I mean, that's just deep, deeply anti-feminist because consent is at the core of feminism. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna play a just quip clip on. The women that he writes. Thanks for coming out here. So I was in a literature class the other day and we were asked to think of male feminist authors and you were the first one that came to mind. Um, my question is, why do you consistently include strong female characters in the I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Um, was it why do I write them? Yes. Uh, <laughs> there is a video on YouTube that can help you with this question. Um, uh, go, uh, look up Equality Now in my name. And, uh, and you should look up Equality Now anyway. Um, but, At the end of the day, I have many answers for it. They have to do with my mom, who's an extraordinary woman and a great feminist. They have to do with the people in my life. They have to do with a lot of different things, but I don't know. <laughs> because I'm not just writing strong female characters for other people. I have a desire to see them in our culture um, that was not met for most of my childhood, um, except occasionally by James Cameron. Um, but, uh, and Miyazaki. Those are the guys who have got the But um, I don't know why I think I'm a 14-year-old girl with superpowers. I don't look like one. But I can't get past it. In fact, the only trouble I've had with the Avengers is I'm like, where is the 14-year-old girl with superpowers? Very 
confused. Is it you, Robert Downey Jr.? It's probably Clark Gregg. Oh, man. So that's, uh, you know, I can't help but hear that now and feel like there's a lot of self-congratulatory, aren't I a great ally happening, which makes your skin crawl just a little teensy bit. Yeah. I mean, I I, mean this is a, I'm, I'm just bummed. It's a bummer. Yeah. Because, you know, I do believe that, that life is gray and I, you can be a, a, a cheater and also a good person, I think. I don't think... I think that love is very complicated and um, usually cheating, I would say always cheating has to do with the person who's doing the cheating and not, and not anything else. So it's, it's, it says something about what Joss thinks of himself and the ways he copes with stress and what he needs for his self-esteem and perhaps like some addictive thrill-seeking things. And um, it strikes me as being very, very sad yeah, this is a, this is a sad story slash sad. a fail. <laughs> it's a huge fail. Yeah, it, it's, I, I mean it's it's hard. You know, we project a lot of things on a lot of people, but um, you know, he was a he was a, a groundbreaker in perpetuating female leads over and over and over again when other when other men were not. And it's not like with someone like, you know, Woody Allen where, like, I'm not going to really watch his stuff anymore because of right. the things that have come out about him. That's too much. I'll probably continue to watch Joss Whedon's stuff probably. but It's hard I, not to. It's, like, yeah. deeply in pop culture. But it's sad. This is really sad. It's 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 a real bummer. It's a real bummer when when your heroes are human, but the, but this is human in, in a way that it, it just makes everything that he's done to empower women feel disingenuous and feel totally. like it's been done with an ulterior motive, which maybe it was and maybe it wasn't. Maybe sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't. People are complicated and flawed and make mistakes and get power hungry. And a lot of men feel like they have an entitlement to women's bodies. And if maybe he didn't get a lot of sex as a kid, maybe he felt like, oh, now I'm a big hotshot producer. I have to take advantage of all this sex I can get. You know, there's all sorts of like crazy thinking that goes on. Yeah. But it's shitty. It sucks. (laughs) There's like no two ways about it. It's really a bummer. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're gonna go into some some wins. Um, let's start with some wins, like uh, some societal feminist wins this year. Um, we had two female Republicans uh, vote down Donald Trump Trump Cares Bill. Mm-hmm. That was a huge win, and yeah, they was a huge win. did not get any credit. John McCain stole the credit. So I want to <laughs> yeah talk about like some <laughs> self congratulatory behavior. Um, and they were outspoken about the bill being bad for a long time. Yep. And I want to know their names. <laughs> while, I, while I look at them, tell us some more feminist wins, Angela. Uh, well, I would say a big feminist win, Lindsay, is us having done this podcast every single week since inauguration. It's insanity. I can't believe we've done that. <laughs> and we love it. It's like the highlight of our week and... It's a lot of work. Um, it is a lot of work. Uh, and we love it. And we've learned so much from all of our incredible guests and from the feedback we've gotten from you listeners. You're amazing. Um, it's just been such a joy and a pleasure um, and has really helped us survive uh, what's been like a terribly shitty 
news year um, and a difficult year personally, I think, for both of us, too. You know, it's been a lot of growing pains and um, it's 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 been really cool to uh, challenge thinking on things and just to take time every week to sit and to work on practicing what we preach and breaking, yeah, and breaking to, like, down the things we believe. Take a minute and listen to other people's stories. Exactly. And think about what's going on in the world because so many things are happening and mm-hmm. being thrown at us all the time in the current news cycle and like try to figure out what things mean. Um, yeah. But our point is, is we think we are going to be scaling back to every other week. Yes. So that we can deliver you the best episodes always. We want to start working on 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 really um, putting in a, a lot more legwork into each episode. Um, and we believe we want we you deserve quality content. And you know we've been learning this year how to give deliver that. To that. You. And yeah, uh, I think it's. Good. I think we learned a lot. We've learned. We've a lot. learned a lot. Yeah, there have been so, a lot of great episodes. I just want to say these senators' names oh, really yes, quick. Sam. I'm going to say the names are two female Republican lawmakers, Lisa Murkowski uh, of Alaska and Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who voted against the bill and came out against the bill before John McCain would make a decision. And then John McCain just came there and stole their thunder. So I just literally wanted to take a minute and say their names. Praise be. <laughs> Praise be, ladies. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale was a big feminist win this year. That was a big feminist win. Oh, it's gonna, my It's going to win all the awards. It better win all of the motherfucking Emmys. <laughs> oh, my. Can you believe that that it's was gonna on, get our, a lot of on gold. our screens? So oh amazing. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. Incredible. It was an amazing story. And I'm so happy that it ha- got the attention that it deserved and that it was a hit. And, you know, that's become Hulu's kind of signature show. And it shows you... <laughs> Content for women succeeds. Over and over again. Over and over again. Yeah. Because more women consume it. So surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you're being a mom and you're watching TV. Sometimes you're a busy person and you just choose the best TV you want to watch. I mean, we we need TV. (laughs) I need it. I need it. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Yeah, so we're going to scale back to every other week, and um, we also are dying to delve into some, like, really racy topics upcoming, so hopefully um, hopefully by us doing this, our episodes are even more juicy and exciting for you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we wanted to point out some wins in particular from our podcast, for sure. Yeah, uh, for one... I was converted to veganism on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel Krantz. If you haven't listened to that episode, give it a listen and then watch Okja and then see if you can eat meat because you won't be able to <laughs> without crying. Um, there's a, it's a great episode about the intersection of veganism and feminism, which mm-hmm. I had never even deeply thought about before or even considered. It's, it's an awesome episode. Yeah. yeah. And it's going really well. Um, I will say that I have a lot more emer- emergency poops, uh, but it's worth it That's to not good. be participating in economy of cruelty. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, that that feels that feels good. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the ladies of Take Back the Night. Yes. So on episode three. Yeah, one of our very first episodes. We talked about sexual assault and the film Lindsay and I are developing, yes. and the film Gia and Emma wrote um it 
went into production and it shot and they're finishing up production right now. Um, and I was so fortunate enough to act in it. And it was an almost entirely female crew. Every single uh, face you see in the film will be female. No male faces will be seen. It's um, awesome. It was such an incredible experience. Chia, god damn, what a badass. Just, uh, there's nothing sexier than a woman with a camera calling the shots on a set. I mean, yeah. it was it was amazing. And to see Gia and Emma, this passion project that they've had for so long, just working so beautifully together on set and spitballing ideas. And I mean, it was it was such a joy and such a privilege to work on. And I really felt like, oh, shit, I'm a part of something that is really important in the way that we're producing it and has the potential to be incredibly important uh, once once the film is completed, so is there an approximate uh, release date for that? Not or that conclusion. I, I not that I'm aware <laughs> of. They're just doing pickups now. Yeah, um, and uh, but but editing is already in progress, and they're really excited. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we will play a clip from Gia and Emma now. Uh, first, we have Emma Fitzpatrick. Hi. And second, we have Gia Vangieri. Hi, guys. Thanks and, for having us. Oh, my God. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, and they are a creative team that is currently making a, can I call it a feminist horror film? Is that what you would call it? Sure, yeah. Yeah, a feminist horror film called Take Back the Night. Mm-hmm. Um, could you guys give us a brief elevator pitch? And and if you want to introduce yourselves a little more deeply, yeah, go so for that. About who so. you are, you know, as women and stuff, too. <laughs> I just am my work and my work. So. Really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's our elevator pitch, G? You're, you're good at this. Take Back the Night is an all-female cast and crew monster movie that is on its face the story of a woman who's been attacked by a monster. And then as she tries to tell her family and friends and authorities and warn them of this dangerous creature that's lurking... Um, they don't believe her. And so they all turn on her, and she's trying to describe the things that are happening to her because this monster comes back every night to haunt her. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when she realizes she can't get anyone on her side, she decides to take on the monster herself. So it's like woman versus monster story. Awesome. Set in the streets of L.A. And it's also an allegory for um, victim-blaming and rape culture, which is why we are here to talk to you about sexual assault. Yeah. Ah. Real quick, I'm realizing um, we're going to do a little thing during this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, very alarming statistic. Every two minutes, mm. a woman is raped in in the U.S. Is that in the U.S.? Yeah. I'm actually yeah. now wondering if that's specific to women or if it's just someone is raped every two minutes in the U.S. It might just, it might just be someone. I don't know. And I, I mean, it... Uh, facts. Fact, fact check. Where's our fact check? Fact check. <laughs> fact, fact check, please. Fact check, I mean, please. if we do state all the facts we wanted to state back to back, it's unbelievably shocking. Yeah. So it's every yeah. every two minutes in America. Someone is raped. Is raped. And then every eight minutes, that victim is a child. Huh. It's yeah. a child. And, then, huh? and every 98 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted. Yeah. And then one in four women on a college campus will be a victim of sexual assault. Just like one in 16 men will as well. And out of that, only six out of every 1,000 perpetrators will end up in jail for those crimes. Yeah, 2% of all those reported will ever see a conviction. 
and it's, it's like over 60% go unreported. So yeah. terrifying so numbers. So terrifying numbers, real yeah. dark. Um, so for through the, the course of this episode, um, we're going to have a little timer go off every two minutes just to sort of be reminded of the gravity of this situation mm-hmm. and um, how pervasive it is and how scary it can be out there. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> What uh, what else of our uh, podcast? I feel like we should call out. We've had amazing well I'll, people on I'll board. S- I'll say something. Yeah. Um, so this podcast, my mom listens. Hi, mom. I love you. Hi, Cheryl. And it's resulted in a couple of really um, wonderful, kind of hard conversations, um, telephone conversations, just you know, different things that she's heard on the podcast that maybe she didn't know about me. Um, and we've had some like really good heart to hearts over the phone that this that this podcast has inspired. Um, and uh, you know, the conversations have been a little bit challenging. And uh, you know, sometimes I sometimes I really let my mouth kind of fly off and don't totally think about um, if if that could hurt somebody's feelings. But uh, but it's been really cool to like be able to talk to my mom as an adult and to like remember oh. She's such like a smart, insightful, reasonable woman who's like very emotionally healthy and like doesn't take on like doesn't take on res- emotional responsibility for things that she doesn't need to. And it's just been cool. It's been a cool way to like connect with her in a in a different like more adult way. That is amazing. Yeah, I wish my mom was more Trish, often. Trish, get on it. Trish, understand podcasts. <sighs> <laughs> um, Come on, yeah. I mean, we've just had so, so many amazing people on. It's been it's been awesome to to take the time to chat with so many cool ladies about very personal things. Yeah, <laughs> it's been really great. Um, we just like really thank you for for ri- going on this ride with us and for learning with us and participating with us. Um, it's just been it's just been really special. Yeah, we have. I mean, we've had um, we've had Jill and Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had Jill and Joan, and uh, that was awesome talking LGBTQ media. Um, we've had Jules reading from her book, which you can now buy in Skylight oh, Books. Yes, I'm glad we brought that up. Jules' yeah. incredible book of poetry for the for men. The men. Uh, it's available at Skylight Books in in uh, Los Feliz and on Amazon, and you should get it because it's gorgeous and touching and and brilliant it's been a wild ride and we just wanted to pause that we're like almost more than six months into this and take a breath no 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 we're we're seven months into doing this podcast eight months into doing this podcast almost not quite okay (laughs) well math or something yeah because we started in like the middle of the month the middle of january yeah and it's middle of august okay math (laughs) no you're right yeah. Seven okay. Okay. Somebody Matt. tell us if we've been doing this for seven months or eight months, please. We've been doing this. We've been at this for a while. So yeah. we just wanted to take a breath and like check in and and thank you again for listening and making the Clambic what it is and continuing to motivate us to do this podcast. Absolutely. And yeah. if there are any topics that you would like us to cover, tweet at us at Clambake Pod. Follow us on Instagram, Welcome to the Clam Bake. Follow us on Facebook, yeah. Welcome to the Clam Bake. And we're getting ready to um, release uh, so a handful of product reviews mm-hmm. and a handful of um, 
little mini game show oh. moments. Um, so if you have a product you want us to review in the future, I'm sure we'll do more of those again. Mm-hmm. Let us know. And in the meantime, there's just so much good content here. So go back and listen to um, Samantha Hamilton uh, talk about digital content. Go back and, and listen to... And us being to, incredibly drunk on that episode. And us having a great drunk and good time. Go l- back and listen to Kelly Brown talking about how the heck you start a company and being a woman in tech. Go back and listen to Jules listen her, uh, read her poems oh. on For the Men. Uh, go back and listen to Alexis's miscarriage uh, story. Um there's just so much good stuff, and we've been so lucky to do this so far this year, and we can't wait to bring you, hopefully, even better, mm-hmm. awesome, controversial, feminist content. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as always, thank you for listening, and please don't hesitate to reach out. Oh, we're also – okay. Two big changes. Change number one, we're moving to every other week. Change number two, we're moving our release date to Monday. Monday. Magic yeah. Monday. So Magic you can Monday. start your week with just a flood of feminism. You can start your week with uh, with the clams and you can like re-listen or you can like listen in chunks or you can like spread it throughout your week. Let the clams be with you all week long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let the ocean tide flow. An ebb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Clams. Uh, more soon. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the Clam Bake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. Just a couple of vaginas talking. What's a creative podcast network?